Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Tares, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm MJ. I'm Ash. And today, I'm very excited. <laughs> You're like really wound up. <laughs> I think the coffee I had this morning had a lot of caffeine in it. Yeah, today you started us off with a question about coffee, so we're going to spend the first half of the episode talking about MJ's hobby of coffee. Right. And then your much more worthy and societally impactful hobbies of professional coaching and dancing. (laughs) The dancing more of like, Mm. I don't know if that'll, I mean, you could impact society for the greater good, (laughs) but we're talking about professional coaching here. Yeah. We unpacked a little bit about how like you got to it what your last couple of stops were in your career and your journey to getting to the final role that you had, your final evolution as chief talent development officer. So here's a little bit of Ashley's journey in her career prior to deciding to stay home full-time with the kids, which is also a career. (laughs) And I like coffee, so. (laughs) I like (laughs) turtles. Hope you enjoy. Cool. Cool. How are you feeling? okay i don't know if golden corral is the (laughs) best life choice we've made lately yeah it's the first time we've been in like several years oh my gosh yeah and my body definitely felt it yeah so did i i feel nice and cleansed (laughs) (laughs) who needs a juice cleanse just go to golden corral exactly (laughs) don't spend 15 dollars on juices no spend the 15 dollars on golden corral yeah um, I want to ask you a question. Okay. This is a surprise. I'm nervous. Oh, I like when you're nervous, babe. Wow. <laughs> so talk to me about your coffee connoisseur journey. Oh, wow. Because I just went to make a little latte for myself and I was just. Yeah. How did it start? Yeah, it's just, it's been a journey and I feel like you're really good at it. Well, like you've become you. really good at it. Yeah. I think that it probably started right around the time that COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so with this simultaneous inability for us to like just go into coffee shops and we also had Evie. Yep. So we were home a lot. I think that was the, that was the start of it. Mm-hmm. I would say is when, when it went from us just like getting... Dunkin' Donuts pre-ground coffee and put it in our Mr. Coffee coffee maker and have it ready by the time we wake up mm-hmm. to like the next step, which was, I think at first it was pour over, pour overs mm-hmm. and aeropresses. Yep. And then that, that, that's like the first, that's like the first step into a very that's deep, the gateway. Yeah. Yeah. An expensive hole known as like espresso based drinks, which mm-hmm. is where we're at today. And so I also think that it's not unique to us. I think a lot of people were craving a cup of coffee at a coffee shop. And I think making coffee at home spiked during COVID. Probably. Uh, yeah. My guess just with, I mean, we like started watching like coffee prep videos on YouTube together. Yeah. Who were some of the people that was, you followed? It was James Hoffman. Okay. Yeah. yeah the yeah. British guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By and large. And so... Yeah, so it started with pour overs and there's like, it's a whole world and I'm like kind of into it. I understand why it's such a, it's such a like a 
intense hobby in mm-hmm. terms of like you can really get into it yeah because you can get into like all of the components but i still recognize at the end of the day like it's just coffee it's yeah. not like gonna change your life we've had great coffees in the past and yeah you know espresso based drinks and we just wanted to be able to have that at home mm-hmm. so yeah so from the aeropress yeah was i think that's when we bought yeah, it was the AeroPress and the pour over, and we went over to buying our first espresso machine, which right. we still have today, which is that little Breville Bambino. Mm-hmm. I love that little guy. Yeah, and that was just us being like, you know, it'd be interesting if we could get make cappuccinos at home. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, did we get that? Did we wait until Judah to get that? Um, Maybe a little bit before. Yeah. In anticipation. That was like our incentive for like. That was our gift to ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) We're about to have some sleepless nights. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to get a coffee machine that's capable of making espresso. Yep. And I mean, with what we have now, it's, I don't, I mean, it's very capable and it honestly is very, there is no top end limit for how much you can spend on these gadgets with like, you know, like commercial grade espresso machines mm-hmm. being up in the highest levels yeah and like commercial grade grinders mm-hmm. so yeah it's a real it's a real thing i enjoy it but i also don't enjoy it to the point where it's annoying in terms of i'm i think we've reached the level where it's like this is what we can kind of do every day mm-hmm. and then not get to a level where it's like this is extreme of the amount of time you're committing to it yeah. So you are really good at it though, as far thanks. as like dialing in, there's like a whole science that you like use for that. And mm-hmm. then like even your, your like milk frothing game and your latte art game is like pretty strong too. Thanks, babe. So. And it's funny because at the end of the day, it's all subjective, right? Some people like their coffee is a little bit fruitier. Some people like it a little bit nuttier. Yeah. Acidic or not acidic. Mm hmm. Um, you don't want sour coffee generally, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you can have all these little things and quirks and stuff like that, but it, as long as you like it, which I think you and I like the coffee that we have and how we make it. Well, you have successfully converted me from coffee with yeah sugar creamer, based, yeah. like a little bit of coffee and mainly sugar to I'm straight up drinking espresso shots first thing in the morning now. So I would say your skill has been pretty good to get me from that point (laughs) to where I am today. Yeah. It's also, I think I I always, you always get this sense of, okay, how can I get to the next level with coffee Mm -hmm. in terms of unlocking that next, I don't know, let's call it flavor profile or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think you get can get lured into thinking that if I only had this next machine, it would really increase the quality of the coffee that I have. And I've just realized that with whatever we've tried, it's much more like the very basic components of the coffee bean itself. Mm-hmm. And if you have an older roasted coffee bean, you have worse quality coffee. Sure. I mean, it's just like, that's like, it sounds so simple and it's, probably not the answer that a lot of people would want to hear when it's like how do i you know make better coffee Mm -hmm. but you get old coffee beans 
you get poor quality coffee. Like this is just, you can't make good recipes out of bad ingredients or you can't make good meals out of bad ingredients. And the same thing applies with, cause you know, I get the itch to be like, Hey babe, we should uh, get a bigger machine that does <laughs> X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and does it, you know, which by the way, none of them heat up faster than I know Ours the is bad. machine that we have. Yeah. Cause that's the big downfall for, making coffee at home is that you need to wait for these machines to heat up which is fine at like the first go around where you're just like wanting to make coffee at the same time every morning you can just Mm -hmm. set a timer to Mm -hmm. switch the thing on but like during the day when you want a second cup of coffee you can just Mm -hmm. press the button and two seconds later it's ready yeah whereas with these other machines that are more expensive sure it's like half an hour warm-up time wow for all these cold metal parts to warm up to get ready for brew temperature so anyways that See, it's like a whole world Yeah, that you can get into. So if someone were listening to this and they're like, I really have been wanting to get into this like yeah. coffee world, yep. what would you recommend as a first step yeah. for them? Or maybe the next step? Yeah, I think the next step is if you're where we were at the very beginning of like just ground coffee, pre-ground coffee that we pre-programmed, we dished out the mm-hmm. night before and had it ready, which I'll still drink that kind of coffee. Like I'm not... I'm not above it, you know. Like, yeah, you're not a super coffee snob. Exactly. Yeah. And I'll like I'll drink diner coffee. Diner coffee is actually pretty good, especially those places where they're pumping through a lot of mm-hmm. coffee at once. I don't know. It just tastes good. But anyways, I think the first step would really be to, if you want to take it to the next level and you're not wanting to spend hundreds and hundreds or in some cases even thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. start with your coffee. See if your coffee prints the roast date on the bag and if they don't have a roast date because that's like your biggest indicator Mm -hmm. of the freshness of a coffee is when it was roasted yep if they don't have that then you could start with going from a bag that doesn't have that to a bag that does have a roast date on it you'll probably spend more money but you'll start tasting things in coffee that you probably hid with sugar and milk Mm -hmm. and a lot of those like notes come out yeah and i'm even like slightly hesitant to say that because it's like dude you're such a x y and z snob about <laughs> coffee but it's true like you know yeah that was me for sure i never tasted coffee i tasted the creamer i tasted the international delight yeah it was in the coffee yeah but when you told yeah. me about that friend or that coworker of yours that lost all that weight he lost a massive amount out. of weight just and he said he took these really baby steps to do it mm-hmm Creamer being, flavor creamer being one of them. That being the first thing that he cut out and just cutting that out alone. Yeah. I don't remember how much it was. It was something like 15 pounds. That's wild. Yeah. So. Yeah. I enjoy it. And every now and then I get the itch to like spend more money to get a better machine or Mm -hmm. I don't feel the urge to get a better grinder. I think I like what we have. Yeah. But every now and then we're like, hmm be fun to get a new machine but there's those trade-offs like you cannot get a fancier machine that warms up at the same time yeah ours is really fast as ours does like that's just the technology is not like whatever it is that this thing is doing it's not available in any other interesting machine yeah i like literally (laughs) looked into it oh i know you researched yeah (laughs) and so like the next thing that would be even close is like one that warms up in five minutes and even then I mean, you're spending more than 10 times what you spent sure. on the machine that we have now. And yep. it's just like, oh, yep. dude, for just an incremental upgrade, 
a 10x increase in cost yeah. is so hard to justify because mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's just coffee yeah mm-hmm. so i think i'd be more interested in playing around with the different bean and trying out different flavors because i think you can extract most of what you need out of a coffee with the machine we have like yeah. honestly like a breville bambino if you like upgrade your coffee beans so i answer that question mm-hmm. if you upgrade your coffee beans and you're still like man i wonder if you know what if, what i could do in terms of starting into the espresso side because yeah. you can do only so much and then you actually need an espresso machine sure. to make espresso based drinks like your cappuccinos lattes all stuff like that mm-hmm. i mean you can try and go cheap but you know just get a breville bambino and you will probably be pretty happy with it for a long long time mm-hmm. before you start looking at you know machines that are in the thousand two thousand three thousand five thousand dollar range which is crazy to think about but <laughs> that is crazy that's where those are at so yeah and that was the journey for us right we started with pre-ground coffee to a hand grinder and pour mm-hmm. over an aero press yep and then we wanted to try the world of espresso drinks so we got the breville bambino mm-hmm. which we I, you know we d- i did a lot of research for that that was like the one to get if you wanted something simple and easy to use which is what we needed at the time and we've been with i mean we've used it ever since mm-hmm. we've even taken it with us to vacations yeah we do. <laughs> <laughs> bring the espresso machine <laughs> and so yeah yeah that's how we are um how about you babe we talked about my interests mm. and i wouldn't exactly say it's a hobby of mine but i do enjoy it i'm very routine so it's very integral to what we do in the mornings is make Mm -hmm. a cup of coffee yeah i mean i almost don't think about it but what are some hobbies that you have or interests that you have in life (laughs) what what a broad question (laughs) i i wasn't ready for that one yeah i will say what I think set me up well to be able to move to espresso based coffee because like I said, I was very like my coffee was very sugary. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't like the bitter taste of it. It tasted very acidic, very bitter to me when I would try to just do straight up coffee. Yeah. Or even just like a little bit of sugar. Some Mm -hmm. people do that or even just a little bit of like half and half to me at the time was like, I can't do this. And, um, I feel like such a like snob saying this, but when we went to visit your family one time, we Mm -hmm. stopped in Milan and at the airport of all places. Yeah. Best coffee. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Like Milan nails it with their coffee. I was the airport in Milan. Yeah, literally the airport. Of yeah. all, like even their airport coffee is phenomenal. And well, that's what I was. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll go a step further and say, because we tried the coffee in Milan, the city. Yeah. And I don't think it beat the coffee that was no, at the airport. <laughs> that was literally the best coffee yeah. I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And I'd never had a cappuccino that was just yeah. not flavored, you know, yeah. and it was amazing. Like we had like six cups in one. And it was kind of bad. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. They were cheap and they were good. It was like good. 50 cents or something or dollar. Something, it was not, exp- it was inexpensive compared yeah. to like how much yeah, third wave artesian here? coffee yeah, is here. Yeah. here. And it was yeah. amazing. And yeah. so after that, you were sold. when you started talking about it, I was like, yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can get into this. Yeah. And so that kind of prepared me i think for the next step mm-hmm. but i feel like until you've had just really good espresso based coffee it's hard 
Right. It's hard to make that jump from like super sugary base to not. And now I can like. Now you're drinking espresso straight up. Yeah. It's a addicting hole, babe. Mm-hmm. That you can it fall is. into. It is. So I'm dodging the, the question. I haven't had enough time to think about my hobbies. I'm babe. sorry. My hobbies are right now. Who has time for hobbies? If if you could do anything this year, you know, we're at the beginning of the year. What what would you want to do more of? So a personal hobby of mine like that is dancing. I haven't been able to dance probably mm-hmm. since I had Evie. I was taking hip hop dance cl- classes. That's right. Ugh, I loved it so much. We should really. I'm sure really they have studios here. Yeah. yeah. I I just I love dancing. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I feel so in my element. I feel so. You did that dancing with Theo class. Uh huh. Like I just, yeah, I love dance. And so, yeah. Um, Is it the movement? Is it synchronized doing something together with a group? Like what's the appeal? I'm not saying I, you know, obviously I enjoy dancing as well, but mm-hmm. probably not to the level you enjoy it. Um, specifically with like hip hop or Zumba, that like Caribbean music. I love, so with either of those music styles, mm-hmm. I love. And pairing that with just the dance moves, movements. And know, knowing some, that you're exercising or? Yeah. It doesn't feel, it never feels like exercise to me. It's yeah. the kind of thing that's just so enjoyable. I just love the like choreography mm-hmm. to like music and the creative expression of that. I love it so much. Hmm. And there's something about, I don't know, it sounds weird, but I kind of like, I don't know. It can, some people would see it as like sen- sensual or sensuality of like, I don't know, particularly with those styles. Mm-hmm. I just, I love it. I feel that like there's something about dancing that takes in ev- I'll say this in almost every other area of my life I am such a high achiever I'm mm-hmm. I'm so hard on myself and I have this unrealistic expectation or grab for perfection not just for perfection's sake but I am someone who just values excellence yeah I have an eye for being able to see what can be improved I think that can be a gift there's also a line where there's a blind spot to that where where, you know where's the line between excellence and perfectionism you know that's a line that's sometimes hard for me to see but with dancing I feel like it brings out this other side of me that's like non-polished it's free-flowing it's more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. It's like in the moment, totally. It's not worrying about how I come across or what other people think about me or how I look, which is funny that like yeah. dance would bring that out of me. But for whatever reason, I just, I don't care what other people think about it or how I'm portrayed. I yeah. like, I just feel free. And there have not been in a lot of other things like that like hobbies or things like that where i feel so much freedom Mm -hmm. to just kind of like i don't know so i think that's why i really like dance which is funny because like there's dance competitions where exactly those things that you don't feel you know constrained by are the measures that are being used to judge yeah competitions yeah so pretty ironic yeah i don't know so that's one um I i think another one would just be I loved coaching people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was just thinking that like 
have such underachiever uh, hobbies. I like coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Your answer. I like unlocking people's potential for them to accomplish and achieve their goals. (laughs) I like coffee. Uh, No, I just, I genuinely. Yeah. I'm, I felt like, yeah. What is it? It is something that I'm like curious about is like how when did you first see that you were good at doing that because you obviously are and you you know before choosing to step into full-time motherhood you like shot through like in the last stages of your career promotions and stuff like that purely because of your ability to recognize the potential in others either a department's potential or an individual's potential so at what point in your c- career did you recognize that this was something that you were good at? Mm-hmm. Or was there a point specifically as opposed to just a progression through? Because I, obviously I know your journey and mm-hmm. um, what you did leading up to finishing up as a chief talent development officer. So what is it in, you know, completely opposite from you? So like... A, <laughs> That's not something that I necessarily, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. It's just not my strength suit. Mm-hmm. So at what point, at what point did you realize you were good at it? Or did you just look back and realize, hey, this is something that I am becoming better at. And now I'm actually good at it. I Before I had that role with this city, I was a training manager for mm-hmm. the school. Yeah. Higher education. I don't know if I should say it, but. <laughs> And so, and at one point I was the only training manager for four departments. And so that was like, that trial was a, by father, a, by fire, trial by fire, but also it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, but specifically in the training room, I, so I enjoyed being in front of a class. I enjoyed teaching material. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed being an expert in something and being able to impart that knowledge to somebody else, but then give them the context for when to use it or when it, how it needs to differ in different circumstances, um, you know, with different financial situations or military situations, or just there were so many different ways that things could pan out. And so I liked being able to provide that context for people. Um, but I think what really helped me to notice that individual like coaching piece was we d- would do these things called mock calls where one person would stand up in front of the class and I would simulate being a student calling in, having a very specific problem. And that person in front of the entire like training class would have to speak as if they were on the phone, an advisor working through that situation. I was a real student and we would just have a real conversation and simulate like what a live call would be like. And I would throw things at them. Like I would get angry when they would tell me information or I would, I just took all of my experience from being on the phones and conversations I had had and situations I had had. And I was able to like replay those and kind of act and give them scenarios that were just potentially they're really going to come across, you know? And it was in those encounters because after that experience, we would have a time of like debrief what went well, what didn't go well, you know, what information was given out, was it correct, was it not? And that situation was so, 
that's where I really realized like this is my like niche is being able to one-on-one give this like lifetime feedback to somebody. And so that kind of springboarded into what I did a little bit for the city. And that just kind of scaled in a very fast way. Fast way. way. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So. So did you know you had that in you or was it surprising to you as to how well you could coach people through how to respond to say like an angry customer or or when when they're not giving you a response that you would want was that something that you realized just came naturally to you or through all of the iterations did you just get better with it i think both yeah i think my mind is able to very easily spot discrepancies Mm -hmm. and so when someone's actions and words are out of alignment i my mind very quickly picks up on that and so when people say one thing but they're doing another thing like i can observe those things like so rapidly and i see the discrepancy so blatantly that Mm -hmm. i can pick them out and just be like this 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 like explain this like why did you say this instead of this or what made you do this instead of that or you said this but did that or and so i started realizing that that skill made it very easy for me to be able to work with someone who's saying I want this Mm -hmm. but this is the result that I keep like this is why I'm coming to you (laughs) this is what I'm up against and this is what I want I can very easily within a few moments see the discrepancies that are keeping that person from accomplishing what they say they want based on what they're the information that they're giving me of this is what's actually playing out in that situation. And I don't know, like I've just always been good at that. And I think it's like a mind thing. Like my mind Mm -hmm. just is always looking for discrepancies. And so when I see them, I can't unsee them. Mm -hmm. That allows me to, I think, coach very well because I can easily pick up on when someone's saying, uh, you know, I worked with leaders specifically. And so... (laughs) You can tell what they mean very quickly as right. opposed to what they're saying. And so yeah. you can connect those things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Why do you think you have that skill? That's how I've always thought. Yeah. I don't know. That's something that's literally like, you think that was- is this guy blue? Like that's a part of my personality that's so deeply ingrained. I couldn't even trace it back to like, yeah. like in my childhood, that's just kind of who I was as well. What I wasn't trying to ask was... Was there a level of vigilance you had to have as a child that required you to see any discrepancies in the people you grew up with that made you sharpen the skill to the level that you were able to hone it and leverage it for your career advancement? I'm sure. I mean, I came (laughs) from a split family, you know, and so I was always picking up on changes in the environment. Yeah. So I'm sure that that, was maybe the start of some of that. Yeah. I think some. I think there was already a bend in me towards some of that too. Yeah. I mean, we can see it in Evie. Evie's a lot like you in that she will make sure that you follow through on your word. To, like when you tell her you're going to do something and not do it, it's something that's... It's a discrepancy. Very yeah. alarming to her. Yeah. Yep. You know, there's no telling exactly who that's coming from in terms of who if if that's environmental if that's what she sees in us if that's Mm -hmm. how she is predisposed as our child because we tend to be that way but 
yeah, I was just curious if in your case, you can't really keep those things separate in, in your instance of like, are you predisposed to that or were you environmentally adapted to be alert? Mm-hmm. Well, you had the experience that you had and you can't yeah. like not have it. But I was just curious if yeah. that was like, I sometimes wonder like, okay, so for fam- individuals that grew up in split families, split families or like homes that weren't considered safe, if they have a predisposition to a level of alertness and mm-hmm. other people being consistent in what they say or poly- pulling out like inconsistencies. So like they would make really good judges. They would make really good detectives hmm. or people who like are, I don't know, like those types of professions that require a lot of that quick reading of other people. But I do think that even that aside, having that skill, no matter what the origin of it is, is important to have because it translates across several careers. I mean, we were just talking about how mm-hmm. I think you would do a really good job doing my job because <laughs> a lot of it requires interfacing with people, understanding what they mean even though they might say something completely different Mm -hmm. and in just like having conversations or listening to you talk about how you would approach a scenario with a client i think you would be able to navigate those things really well so because at the end of the day like no matter what you do you're like at some level interacting with other human beings yeah yeah i think my role when i was coaching so many different types of employees a lot of department heads would send their people to me, but sometimes it was these people really want to advance themselves. Yeah. And sometimes it was, these are my problem children yep. <laughs> and I want you to coach them. So I had to really learn to understand motives. Like why is this leader doing what they're doing? And what I realized is that most people think if not everyone thinks that they're headed towards something right, even if the execution is wrong. Yeah. So the, the most aim people is I let's you know, I worked with this one guy. He was a really tough supervisor. Look, can I summarize that? Mm-hmm. Most people judge themselves by their intent, despite how they execute on it. But even in their wrongdoing, they think they're headed towards right because of their intent. Yeah. And so, you know, I worked with this one guy who was a really tough supervisor, had been in his role for, you know, I don't know, 20 years, yeah. military guy. So, I mean, he walked into my room. He didn't want, he wasn't the like, I'm here to advance. He was here because like my supervisor told me I had to be here and you're rolling up and stuff. how old are you and how long you've been here and you're going to teach me something, you know? Yeah. So I had to v- very quickly learn how do I get this person who genuinely thinks they're doing the right thing to understand to it's almost like getting someone to see a different angle about Mm -hmm. on the situation to where they're like wow there was this like very unique moment that that it creates for someone that sometimes can shatter people when they realize that honestly what they were headed towards they thought was the right thing and maybe it was the right thing, but they think their execution is also right in getting them towards that thing. Yeah. The moment that that comes clear for them of, wow, this thing that I've been doing has been wrong. Yeah. Not morally wrong, but my execution has been so ineffective 
and I've been too stubborn to admit that some leaders would literally, I mean, that would shatter them because they're like, I've been doing this for 20 years. Right. How much time have I wasted? You know? And so a lot of times it was just shedding a different light. Honestly, it was, it's like this moment of a person moving from a place of disillusionment, honestly, about Mm -hmm. their actions to a place of clarity and effectiveness. Yeah. And that's a really painful process, but man, when people would like get it, when it would just like click for some people and they had a clear plan now for better aligning their actions with what they did want to be a good leader, to be, you know, this guy was like so negative and so hard on it. He treated him like he was still in the military, you know? And, but to him, he's thinking about honor. He's thinking about respect these are good things and he's not recognizing that it's out of context. You can't act like <laughs> yeah. you can't treat people like you're their sergeant or captain when you're not Right. like, and, and they ain't never been in the military. You know, they haven't had the experiences that you have. They don't see rank like you do. They don't see respect the way that you do. And to help walk him through that process and actually see him move from a person who was so stubborn initially coming to my office, so resistant, so hostile to me of like, who are you? And you're some Mm -hmm. young girl. What are you going to teach me to? Wow. I can walk away from this. And I feel like I have something. I feel like I can know how to be a better leader, (laughs) more of the leader that I want to be to my people was so rewarding for me. Mm -hmm. There's something really neat about that process going through that process with someone so that's it babe that's my hobby (laughs) so it's dancing and professional coaching (laughs) dancing and (laughs) i like making coffee Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tares. We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know. 
And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support. All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.